0: Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Luke chapter 24 we see an interesting day in the life of the people that are around Jesus and, and as my title says this morning it's amazing the difference that a day can make in the life of God's people God can do things in just a moment that we could never do in a lifetime God can take a marriage that's a mess and make a masterpiece God can take a family that has no dad and put a dad there even if there's a man there there may not be a dad there and I just put this plug in there just because you're in the house don't make you a man but God can make you a man he can make you the man that God wants you to be God can take kids that have no mom and give them a mom. God can change a life in an instant. And as we look into our text this morning, we're going to find out a few things. The three of them I'm going to deal with right off the bat. I'm actually going to go ahead and give you those three right now. A day can make the difference between not knowing and knowing a day can make the difference between not knowing and knowing I've had things in my life that changed in just a short amount of time it took a short amount of time it looked like a long time during that process and Christy would probably say it was a long time but to me the world changed when our first child was born I was not a dad then all of a sudden I have this thrust on me that it's time to grow up and be a dad now for her it's time to grow up and be a mom I know in the life of a fisherman I've been fishing Called nothing. Buddy sent me a picture from the next day, and say you took the wrong day off work, and they slayed them, and all it was was just a day. Did you know that the day a day can be the difference between not believing and believing. A day can be the difference between not believing and believing. And a day can be the difference between not having joy and having joy. I was going to take and walk down through here and pull all these little individual verses and put all this together for you, but I think it's better to just walk down through here now and you watch the scriptures unfold. As we enter in, I want you to know this that God does everything He does for His glory and for your good. God does everything He does for His glory and our good. In Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 1, it says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Then they said this, Remember, how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of, the, of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told... The other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Look at verse eleven, and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Now, I want to stop for just a moment. These are not ordinary churchgoers. These are people who have spent intimate time with the Lord Jesus Christ. They have seen with their own eyes Jesus raise people from the dead. They have have handled the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. They've served him food. They've had him serve them food. They've watched him walk the streets and have to wash dust off his feet. So they've seen him in a way that you and I have never seen him. They have heard him speak out of his own mouth that he must be crucified, that he must be buried in a tomb, but on the third day he would arise. They just told them, reminded them of this. How do you forget in that amount of time something that you heard out of the very mouth of Jesus Christ himself. You would think that God in the flesh, you watching him and you hearing him, you would think, from our perspective, we'd go, seems impossible. How could you not remember what Jesus told you? I understand if you don't remember what the preacher told you. I get that. It amazes me often that people go, Preacher, I didn't know we were having so-and-so. I was like, well, I just told you for the last two weeks that we were. I get that. But you would think that the people that were under the bondage that they were under up under the religious legalistic system that they were under, up under the tyranny of the governmental systems that they're under, you would think that when the Messiah had come, the triumphal entry, they're, they're waving the palm branches, they're throwing the clothes down. You would think. You'd think, wouldn't you? He's here. He's finally here. You would think that they would know. Verse 12 says, But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day. Don't miss that. Two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. They say that the average stride of walk of most folks is anywhere between two and a half to three and a half miles per hour. Some of us might waddle a little bit slower than that. But I would imagine in their day and time being the fact that they walked most everywhere they went, they probably could make a three mile an hour pace. And if we take that and we figure that they're going to walk seven miles, then just over three hours they're going to make this journey. But somebody comes and walks with them during this journey. And I don't know at what time Jesus starts teaching to them in this journey, but could you imagine the fact that Jesus Christ was doing something with them that he had done with them many times before? They had walked places together often sometimes they would take a little extra distance and go around certain places so Jesus would not be confronted by certain people so that he could make his way to the cross. And during this seven mile journey they talked together of all these things which had happened so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them and look at verse 16, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Now I didn't write this book and I'm take my figures back. I just thought in my mind, I was thinking about the hours it would take you and I to make that journey. It would take them probably an hour less <laughs> to make that journey more than likely at pace they would probably walk at it says their eyes were restrained as they walked together and they did not know him it boggles my mind to think that the ladies think that he's a gardener until he actually reveals himself to them. I don't know about y'all but I'd know my wife anywhere come on guys this is a good opportunity for I know it ain't Valentine's Day but I'm going to reteach a lesson Todd knows the lesson that I'm going to talk about I'll mention but there's a certain thing called putting a deposit in your wife's emotional love bank I taught that lesson quite a few times over the years so you had an opportunity to put a deposit right there yes bless God even if I was blindfolded I could smell that woman come in the room buddy Perfume hit my face. That's my wife right there. Shoot, I don't even have to smell the perfume. I can just feel when beauty walks in the room. Come on. Right? There you go, brother. Cha-ching. Hey, how do you... <laughs> she don't pay attention to that stuff no more. Yeah. I'll never forget the first time I said... Maybe your daddy must have been a thief. She said, you need to just hush. (laughs) How do you walk with Jesus? How do you get so close to Him? The Savior of the world. Listen, a woman come close enough to Him and grabbed a hold to the hem of His garment and the disease that had been riddling her body, the flow of blood, it's she got close enough to touch him how can you get so close that he's walking down the road talking to you and you've spent years with him and you still don't know him the Bible says right here that God had their eyes blinded like I say I didn't write it I'm just telling you about it sometimes when we don't know him as a matter of fact when it comes to salvation you will never know him until he opens your eyes nobody comes to him unless he draws them. That's what the Bible says. So I believe this whole idea of not knowing him, making the transition from there to knowing him, that's something that God does. We don't wake up one day and say, you know, I think I'm just smart enough today, I'm going to choose Jesus. No, Jesus comes down into the midst of our ignorance, opens our blinded eyes, Eyes that he has kept closed. And it's Bible. Whether you like it or not, if you don't like it, study it, come back, we'll sit down and we'll talk. I love talking over this book. I do. In 15 years of pastoring, as a matter of fact, March the 16th of this year was 15 years senior pastoring for me. In 15 years, I can count on one hand the amount of people who have come and sit down with me to ponder over Scripture and even have questions and question me about Scripture. In six, did I say 15 years, five or less people. I've had a lot of people come argue about a lot of things. Had a lot of people come on to know about a lot of things. Jesus is here with these disciples. They're talking over the things that had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Verse 16, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Make a note of that by your whole line about the fact that uh, a day can make a difference in not having joy and having joy. Jesus said, Why is it that, what's this what you're talking about? You're walking and are sad. My mind goes to scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about the fact that your countenance had fallen. There's something on your face that just looks like that, that, that you're just death warmed over. That you have no joy, no peace. You're not overflowing with the joy of the Lord and you, you've got this sadness upon you. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not... And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And Jesus said, to them, what things? I love how the Lord works with us, don't you? He lets us think sometimes that we're in control of our lives, does he not? What you talking about, fellas? (laughs) And he's the one that told them ahead of time that it was going to happen. As a matter of fact, he's the one that sent the prophecy to the Old Testament saints, so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and the next verse is basically going to say this, but they killed him. We, we've been given sacrifices our whole lives. My daddy gave sacrifices. My granddaddy gave sacrifices just so we could make God happy. We lived up under all these rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Do that. And on top of all that, now the people that lead us, they're in the pockets of the government. Well, that sounds, let me hush. We're so tired of this life. We, As a matter of, let me let this, let me let the text speak. Listen to what he says. The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth 19, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, we were hoping it was him. Can you feel that? There's a lot of people in this room possibly and online, but there's definitely a lot of people over this world that have thought those thoughts in their own personal lives. I was just hoping that it was him. I had this going on in my life and I just was hoping he was going to come through. I don't know if he's alive or dead. That's their life. They were hoping And they go to the tomb. He's not there. Some of them said, well, maybe they've stolen his body. That's what's happened. He made such an impact on their lives that they were still willing to go through with things like the anointing for the burial, and they were worried about his body and all these things. And they're there, and they're mourning around this graveside, He had made such an impact in their lives. Was hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company, verse 22, who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying, that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. And all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? I want you to keep that phrase right there, enter into his glory for the very end. He said, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, that the things concerning himself. That would have been something, wouldn't it? To have listened to Jesus Christ, take the scriptures, and show you the crimson thread that weaves all the way from the beginning, all the way down through the scriptures. Charles Spurgeon said you could take and open the Bible anywhere you want to, and you will find that thread, and you can follow that thread right to the cross of Calvary. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further, and that's basically saying, all right, guys, we're about done here. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them, Look at verse 31. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Not knowing to knowing. All in one day, and all the work of God. And then belief starts rising up in them. Let me share a verse of scripture with you that we'll take with us toward the end. But Romans chapter 10, verse 14. It says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? Some translations even translate it this way. And how shall they believe in the one who they don't know? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear unless they're told? They said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us uh, while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the Scriptures to us? Verse 33, So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And, and, and I want you to just kind of grab the context of things because we have a hard time grasping all this stuff I mean, I even have a hard time grasping all this stuff And I can remember a time when if you ran out of gas out in the country You had to walk to somebody's house and borrow a telephone. Can I get a witness? And I ain't talking about no cell phone neither. I had you had to stand up. I never forget going in this old man's house, old slapboard slapboard house. Went up in there. My grandmama had a telephone on the wall, had an 84-foot cord. How about (laughs) y'all? Tangled all up. Some of them don't even know what I'm talking about, but that's okay. I went into his house. I had to stand there that far from the wall because that little cord, did not it wasn't even curled. It was just a straight cord, and it was the box hanging on the wall with the little piece you hold to your ear, and there. I was like, I thought that was antiquated, and I sit there and did my deal, called, Daddy, I'm out of gas. Get in your minds, folks. They've walked seven miles with Jesus. They sit down just long enough to eat a piece of bread, and the Bible says immediately, they got up and went seven miles back the other way. I'm just telling you right now, when God opens your eyes and you get to know him, he'll make you do things you wouldn't normally do. I remember a woman at a well in the Bible Jesus stayed there, and the disciples went into town. The woman come in the middle of the day to draw water, a time she wouldn't normally come because she is ashamed of her life. She didn't want to be around nobody else, but she met Jesus there that day, and he, he told her who he was after he told her who she was. And the very next thing you find, she runs into town, and I ain't going to say what I have said before about this, but she goes into town says, I want you to come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. you got to figure out this woman's been married five times. She's shacked up right now with somebody, and she's standing before the Lord Jesus Christ. and She feels joy inexpressible and full of glory because all the weight of her life's been lifted off because she's exposed now to him, and he's told her that he loves her, and he, it's not her that gets clean, cleans herself up to come to him, but he cleans her up. And brings her to himself. I'm just trying to tell you that when God causes you to go from not knowing to knowing, he'll cause you to do things that you would never do. They get up and they run back into town. I have to believe their stride was a little bit better going back than it was coming. They come running in. As they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you I just translate that calm down a little bit I'll share my new Hispanic word with you Hispanic redneck I'm learning we go to Guatemala I'm trying to learn some things mucho gracias I translate that as a whole lot of gracias right So poquito gracias, that's just a little gracias. Okay, well y'all will get it in a minute. (laughs) My wife tells me I don't need to talk while I'm out of the country. She thinks some international incident is going to (laughs) happen. verse 37 but they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit he said to them why are you so why are you troubled and why do you doubt why do doubts arise in your hearts why do you not believe you get it why do you not believe behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. This is just an original thought. I said, an original thought. I've never heard it before, but it came across my heart this week in reading. We always say we're standing here in flesh and what? Blood. He said, There, a spirit does not have flesh and bone. You know why I think he said that? Blood's already gone. He's done hung on the cross and. Gave himself for us. We've had. When he had said this. He showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe. For joy and marveled. He said to them. Have you any food? You can get the f- gist of what that verse is really saying. They're so overcome. They're <laughs> it's him but wait a minute, you're dead. It's him, but wait a minute, it can't be him. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence, and he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms are concerning me, Listen to verse 45, folks. Don't miss it. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Let me just stop here for a moment. There are many uh, men and many uh, women sitting in this room online and once again all across this world that you think you've got it all figured out. You don't need nobody to tell you nothing about life, nothing about Jesus, nothing about God, nothing about no Bible. You don't need nobody to tell you nothing. You got it all figured out. There's a lot of people out there that feel that way, and I was one of those folks. But I can tell you right now, you don't know nothing other than what God lets you know. I'm a firm believer that the wisdom that was given to people to be able to have the technology we have today, our God gave it to us. Don't tell me that for over 4,000 years, we're riding around chunking rocks at each other, riding on buggies with horses pulling us. And then all of a sudden, man just got smart. By the end of the 1800s. Oh, I know how to make an internal combustion engine. Yeah, by the grace of God, you do. Some motor companies are still trying to figure out how to make one. And then (laughs) we go from hollering across the hilltops. I ain't got it with me, but them cell phones. And everything that used to be in a room, and Mark, you can probably testify to this, everything that was in a room probably this size, and this going, a whole room to fill up what you got holding in your hand. And we did that. You ought to read about some smart people back in the day. You mean to tell me that there would not people with some kind of wisdom back in the day, Archimedes? and all the others that come up with all kind of things, the pyramids are built. No, I believe that God has given us the wisdom he's given us so that we might bring about the end that he has designed. In other words, we're going to smart ourselves right on out of here. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And he says, You are my witnesses of these things. Now I want you to kind of wrap things together here, and I'm going to show you a little bit more about the joy. But they went from not knowing to knowing from not believing to believing. And now he says, you're witnesses of all this because I'll let you be witnesses of it. You've believed in me. Now, and he, he, if you go back and read through the whole chapter, he said this three times. Three times. Ought not the Christ to die? Ought he not be buried, as the prophet said? Ought he not be raised from the dead? And He said, you, you've heard this now. And now it's to go out and listen to what he says preach. He don't say preach 10 ways to have a happy marriage. He don't say preach 5 ways to get over in the workplace. He don't he don't say preach some message to just stir up some good emotions in you so you can just make another week, come in here, get your fuel one more time. That's not what he says preach. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you're my witnesses of these things. In other words, all right, fellas, get out and do it. And I'm just throwing this out there. You're going to see a revival take place in certain bodies of believers. And you know what it's going to be? They're already starting to call the statistics on it. All these people that watch all the the trends and things in Christian life. All these churches that are bowing down, the preacher's weak back, good for nothing, charlatans standing up just pacifying people every single week and not preaching the Word of God, guess what's going to happen? They're going to slide themselves right off into the pockets of the government and the blood bought church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to rise up and people that are redeemed by the precious blood, they're going to gravitate toward the Word of God. Why? Because you don't do that and I don't do that. He does that work inside of us. I don't know about you, but I love hearing this book preached. I love hearing this thing taught to me. It's life to me, it's food to my soul. Sometimes it's bitter, but sometimes it's sweet. But both times, it's good. If all you ever have is somebody around you that says good stuff to you, you need to find you some new friends because you ain't got none. That's free. He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Now I want you to listen to me. I've got to wind this down real quick. I'm going to try to do this in four to five minutes. And so I've got to do this really quick. Catch what's going on. He's leaving again. They had him, they didn't have him, then they had him, then they lost him again, now they got him again, and now he's leaving again. We've seen what's happened with them all the other times, but look what happens this time. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I'm with you to that point, but watch what happens now. And we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And the Bible says, Amen. Something changed this time. See, they knew where he was going because he opened up their understanding. They knew where he was going, and they knew what was getting ready to take place. And then they knew what was going to come in the future. See, when he left... He was going to be coronated. He was going to go sit on his throne and have a crown put on his head. He was going to be crowned king of kings and lord of lords. I'm just going to tell you, if, if you've got a savior that ain't got a crown on his head, you ain't got a savior worth having. And if he ain't lord, he ain't worth having. There was a man by the name of Polycarp. I believe it was 69 A.D. when he was born. It is said of history that Polycarp knew the Apostle John. Polycarp was a bishop of Smyrna. Polycarp was said to have known some of the other disciples that walked with Jesus. It's believed that somewhere close to the year 115, AD Polycarp was martyred at the stake when they come and arrested him I said 115 155 I'm sorry 155 AD supposedly his death date Polycarp could have said two words and he'd have been set free all he had to say was Kaiser curios, Kaiser Curios. And you'll not endure anything that we have to hurt you. Kaiser Curios means Caesar Lord. Caesar's Lord. And Polycarp said, For over eighty years I've served him. And he ain't never done me any wrong. And Polycarp proclaimed the creed, the first creed of the New Testament Church, before the Nicene Creed, before the Apostles' Creed. There was a creed. "Jesus ho kurios." "Jesus ho kurios" means Jesus, his Lord. You'll never, ever be able to stand in any of the heat unless you know that Jesus is Lord of your life. See, the thing that changed in their life was he went from being not their Lord to being their Lord. Did you know that Jesus, when he died on the cross, the Bible says, he who has descended is also, or he who has ascended is also he who descended. And he led captivity captive. I figure I'll leave you on a quick high note. When a king would conquer an enemy, he would parade that enemy through town. And all of the things that they would take as the spoils of the battle, the trinkets, the stuff, the the valuables from them, they'd be bringing along with them. And he'd go through as a conquering king. When Jesus Christ, our king, left this earth, he took all the captives, the demons and devils of hell and paraded them on his way up to heaven. And all of the things that he took that belonged to them, I want you to hear my heart. When I say this, everything that the enemy has, he took captive when he conquered death, hell, and the grave. So now if he's your Lord, guess what? All the things that he took from them, they belong to you now. I don't know if that does something for you. If it don't, you might want to find out if you got the right battery in your tractor. I'm just trying to say... Something's wrong if you don't understand that everything that Jesus Christ has in his conquering of death, hell, and the grave, now you have. And I have. Hell has no victory over us, death has no sting because we're in him. So I want to ask you, Tim, if you'd come on, I want to ask you a question. On this Easter Sunday, it's time to get down to the brass tacks of things. Are you saved? Say, so, oh preacher, yes, I go to church. Yep, standing in a garage makes you a car, too. These chairs are in church every single week. Are you saved? It's getting past the time to be worrying about what people think. I've been through a baptistry three times. Two times, once to please my uh, grandmama, once to marry Christy. And then one time, after he became known to me, the veil was took back. My sinfulness was exposed. And Christ, I I saw him. Christy was in our first pastorate, thought she was saved, doing her devotions one day, and he showed himself to her and her need for salvation. I was vacu- uh, not vacuuming, not vacuum I was at a church that I was youth pastor at on my lunch break, praying in a prayer room. cleaning lady was in there, never met her before in my life. She's vacuuming. And and the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, you need to go ask her about her salvation. And there are times in my life when I feel like I was a lot more obedient than other times. I got up, I walked out there, and I pulled the cord out of the wall, and the vacuum cleaner, she's looking around, seeing where the cord pulled out of the wall. She thought she did it. I'm standing there holding the cord. And I said, ma'am, I don't know you, I said, but the Spirit of God wanted me to ask you, if you died right now, do you know if you'll go to heaven or not? She just started weeping, and before everything's over with, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And these are the words she asked me. She said, You think, and I'm just, you can put all the picture together you want to. She said, You think they'll let me come to church here? And it went across my heart, Dear Lord, what's wrong with us? that the testimony that she has, and the first question out of her life as a Christian is, I wonder if they'll let me come to church. You know where that comes from? It comes from a bunch of people that don't know him. Because if you know him, you know you ain't no better than nobody else on the face of this planet. I don't care what color skin you got. I don't care where you come from. I don't care who your mom and your daddy is. I don't care how much money you got in your pocket. You ain't no better than that whore that crawled up at his feet. No better. But by the grace of God, go I. My neighbor's grandson from back when we used to live in South Carolina, I told you about our little trailer park. Good friend of mine is the sheriff of of the county I'm from. I got friends in the deputies in the law enforcement. I used to drink and party with all of them. By the grace of God, many of us are saved now. They found my neighbor's grandson dead, murdered in the floor of one of them trailers where we used to live. But by the grace of God go I. And I'm just telling you, by the grace of God, you go too. So you can take out of here. If you think you're lost, go ahead and leave out of here. It won't be on my clock. And it sure well won't be God's fault. If you think that you're lost and He's speaking to you today, you better know that the King of Glory has given you an opportunity to be redeemed. i ask you to stand with me for just a moment. Right where you're at, this is simply all I want to do in closing. Right where you're at, if you'd bow your heads for just one second, give everybody an opportunity. Give everybody an opportunity, right there where you're at, if you would, bow your heads, nobody looking around, and I just wonder, are you tired of not knowing, unbelieving? See, my last point was, a day can make a lot of difference between mortality and immortality. Jesus said the words, Even, Oh fool, do you know that your soul could be re- required of you today? It's his words. All the church stuff out of the side, all the baptisms out of the side. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're worried about whether or not you're going to heaven right now, would you just slide your hand up and say, This is my day right here. I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ at this very moment. I think I've been playing a game. Or I, or I never knew him, and today is the day that I need to give my life to Christ. Would you just slide your hand up just enough for me to me to see it? Hold, you got to hold it up for just a second. If you do, put it up. I'm not meaning this to be arrogant or nothing else, but that so everybody in the room, either somebody, either you didn't hear or everybody in the room saved, and that's all. That's that's good. We can celebrate that. If at any point in time after we leave here that you realize that you're lost, get in touch with us. Maybe at home. Email us. Message us on Messenger. We'll get in touch with you. I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to sing one verse at the end of the song, and we're dismissed out of here today. Father, as we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's great to know that you're alive today. With our salvation. Father, would you take your word, do your work with it, what you so wish, and Father, we give you the praise for it. We thank you, God, for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, Uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for Him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Mm -hmm. Amen. God bless you guys.